0: The cancer journey is unique for everyone. It's time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to Unspoken Cancer Truths with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Welcome to Episode 77 of Unspoken Cancer Truths. I'm your host, Jen Cochran. I'm really excited to have Vicki Zarkin with me today, sharing her journey with stage four metastatic breast cancer. So let's jump in. Welcome Vicki. I'm so excited to have you here today to share your story. I know we were chatting a bit before we started to record and I'm just so excited for you to to share the journey that you've been on with the listeners. So welcome. Thank you, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> So we're just going to jump right in and I'm going to have you tell your story, uh, start to present. Okay. And oh my, that's gonna be a
1: <laughs> I'll try to give you the abridged version for your listeners. <laughs> um, well, I'll, um, I'll tell you, I um, was 44 years old and um, just had a regular mammogram and I was having actually... Uh, regularly scheduled mammograms because uh, in my 20s I had a, a small benign issue so um, so needless to say I was getting them on a regular basis so um, one year I was clean the next year it was everywhere. that's how highly highly aggressive, the cancer that I have is. So I didn't know that of course at the time. So we knew right away when they did the ultrasound, they're like, you, you got cancer, you know, you gotta figure this thing out. So I went to Johns Hopkins and I mean, a series of exhausting, exhausting tests. And finally they um, say, okay, it's, uh, we've um, placed you with our finest oncologist in the hospital. And um, he's going to meet with you and tell you where you can go from, from here. So my mother and my husband might call us the three musketeers because we were the ones always going everywhere. um, They were seated to my left and the room was very small and the doctor is going on and on and on. And I'm just like, you know, what is he talking about? I mean, it was like out of a peanuts. Classroom, you know, wah 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 wah, and so, I was just like, you know, my eyes are like glazing back in my head, and finally they snapped to attention, and I realized he had stopped talking, and then you know how you do the rewind, and I rewinded, and he said that he had been in touch with all the finest colleagues. At Johns Hopkins, they um, discussed my case, and he's very sorry. There's nothing he can do for me. I need to go home and get my affairs in order. Now I snapped immediately. The Vicky, and I know this sounds crazy, but the Vicky that walked in the room that day died right then and there, and a Vicky that you're speaking to today emerged, and I leapt across the room. And grabbed the doctor by the shirt collar. You know, I wanted him to see me. So I pulled him in by, you know, the collar. I pulled him in really, really close. And I said, you talk about consulting all these other doctors, but you never once consulted me. You didn't ask me what I wanted. And I am going to be the one. I'm going to be the one. I didn't care what you cut off me. I don't care what you stick in me. I am a mom and I'm going to make it. And then, you know, I realized, oh my God, my hands are around somebody's, you know, neck. (laughs) Holy cow, you know, they're going to call security. I backed up. They're going to be hauling me out of the room any minute now. And the room was really, really quiet and he didn't call security, but it was really, you know, like the pin drop type of a thing. And then finally, it wasn't as long as, you know, it seemed. Right. He he looked up and he looked at me for the very first time. And he said, and it was real slow with his words and real quiet. And he's like, okay, he says, how about we start with a regimen of chemotherapy treatment? I'm not promising anything, he says. But we'll go from there. We'll see how you do. what What do you think of that? Is that okay with you? He says. <laughs> Is that okay with you? And I was like, Yes, yes, that's okay. That's okay. It was my window, you see, right? because because, um, I didn't know really anything about cancer at that point. I really did. I was even though I had been through six weeks of testing, they were it was like, it, they were just so overwhelming. And I didn't know anything about uh, about uh, cancer, but I knew one thing. I knew I wasn't dying and I wasn't letting anybody whatsoever raise my children except me. There was no way. And so I used that window to buy myself some time and get research and get knowledge about what was going on with me. So we... Long story short, 11 years later, I am still here, um, but not without um, a lot of fight, a lot of work. And um, I am still um, getting chemotherapy today for my aggressive um, cancer because it can, you know, like I said, one year there was nothing and the next year i was riddled in cancer i mean any doctor would have said the same thing that he did it was in my neck my esophagus my mammary glands my um, left ventricle of my heart my left lung all wrapped around my breast my nipples 30 lymph nodes were removed i mean i was wow i was a mess i was truly a mess but um i just knew i knew everything was going to be okay. And I just focused on not why me, because there's no time for that crap. No, you know, not even for a second. Did I say, God, why me? I didn't. I just said, okay, God, let's get cooking, you know, and it's just a matter of let's get down to business and fight. And you just worry about what's ahead of you. You don't worry about what's behind or what's been said or what's happened or, or there's no time for anything like that. And I went into what I call my tunnel vision period and I fought like hell.
0: So how old were your children when you were diagnosed? My
1: daughter was around seven, eight, and my son was about 11, 12. Okay. They were little and, you know, telling them was not an easy thing. No. yeah, That's something that I teach people how to do, but, um, that, that was not a fun day.
0: Yeah, that is definitely very challenging.
1: Yeah. I mean, kids know one thing. They know cancer and they know death. Yeah. And the two words come hand in hand look you know it has it touches everybody and it touched these kids before i got it friends parents things like that so they just only knew death right
0: and 11 years ago across the board our survivorship numbers were lower survivorship yeah. wasn't wasn't the thing that i feel as though it is now there's so many i mean the cancer survivorship roles are just growing by the millions every they year are the
1: people a lot of breast cancer women are still dying it is a yes. big problem a lot of a lot of women are dying um you know and and then they go and change our health care system so that the mammograms are no longer at 40 they're changing them to 50 and all this crazy stuff and they're just making things harder i'm going to tell you those numbers are going to switch they're not going to be so low anymore. They're going to go start going back up because the more we take away preventative medicine measures, the more those numbers are going to go back up. You know, women are just not counted high on the totem pole
0: of healthcare. Right. Well, that's a curious thing as well, because I have to look at exactly when this study happened, but it was late 80s early nineties where breast cancer drugs are being tested on men because their hormones were more predictable. I'm like, this is a hormone driven right. condition for, and they're not hormones. 75%. Like yeah. you have to and take into account the hormones.
1: They were more worried. They cared more about AIDS than, than they did about us, which is why they did that half-assed treatment that you're, or the testing that you're talking about, because they just Sorry, I said, uh, sorry, people, but, um, (laughs) but, you know, it's frustrating, it's frustrating and you can't help, but, you know, just want women to rule the world. What can I say?
0: (laughs) So I would love for you to share um, a little bit more about what your, like kind of what your overall treatment path has looked like. Cause we were talking a little bit about um, like mastectomy and reconstruction and, Um, Mm -hmm. tattoos and, and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I know your path looked a little bit different from, you know, kind of what other people may have heard or experienced. So I'd love you to share a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, my path
1: is vastly different for anybody like me, because here it is 11 years later, and I'm the only one living today in the planet with my aggressive form cancer. How nuts is that? Yeah. That is nuts. And that's because I advocated for myself and I went rogue. Let let me, let me be clear. The, the medical community and the doctors that I had were, were terrific. I mean, no disrespect to any of the doctors that I had. They all were trying very hard to figure this thing out for me, but it was very bleak for them. They don't understand. A a difference there and for me it wasn't bleak you know see it was my life and in matters like that you have to advocate for yourself you have to take your life into your own hands only you are going to save yourself in the end especially with a a diagnosis like I had that was off the books you know it it was it was um, extremely bleak and and uncharted waters sort of Um, nobody they knew survived it.
0: And uncharted waters. Yeah. Uncharted waters is really not where our current Western medicine thrives, right? They thrive in the 80%. Like they thrive in the, you fit in this box. And if you don't fit in the box, it's hard.
1: Well, it is, it's, it was hard for me, but, you know, I get that too. You have to understand, you know, they can only save so many people. So why not save the 80% when they're savable? I 100% get that. I don't resent that. You know, I get that, but that's why I had to step up for me.
0: And, well, and the 20% comes in many different forms and fashion, right? Like yes. I'm a person that Always has the this happens to less than 10% of the people. And those are my (laughs) side effects, right? So, like, even though I had an earlier stage that was, you know, seemingly reasonably (laughs) treatable, like, I caused the doctors lots of annoyance because I I was constantly having like some weird thing. Right. I love that. I love that. <laughs> such a
1: hard time. I love that because there's to be more people like us. Yeah. Because, um, and I see as a coach out there, I see some really sad things because women aren't like built like you and I. And we as, um, as a collective are, are raised to, um, you know, to follow the white coat. Absolutely. And, to, and, and especially a man, you know, uh, that's in a white coat. I mean, we, God forbid, we argue with them. I mean, your mother would like take a ruler to your hand or something like that, you know. I mean, I yeah. remember going to the doctor as a kid, and, you know, the, mom always sided with the doctor. Of course, you know, she doesn't any longer. I'm educated my mother
0: my mom as well she had a dcis a couple of years ago and i do think that that went kind of differently for her because when they wanted to wait she was like no no we're not waiting and then when they wanted to do things just in case you know this isn't going to affect your longevity but we want to do these other things and she was like i'm so confused Right. And I was like, right. So let's think through. Why are you confused? Like, that's a valid way to feel. Because they're not. (laughs) This is what they told you. And then this is what they're telling you. Like, it's okay to say no.
1: Right. It is okay to say no, everybody out there listening. Please understand that Um, it's your body. No one's going to take care of you or know you better than you. Yeah. Tap into that. Believe in yourself. Because, you know, who's going to believe in you if you don't believe
0: in you? How can you live life? Absolutely. And we know our bodies. Like, we know when something's off. Yes, we do. It's okay to say, no, this isn't normal (laughs) for me.
1: Okay, I'm coming home with you. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) yes, I mean, I get, you get me and I get, you know, I get the whole persona, but I didn't really answer your question um, earlier and I apologize to your audience. No worries. Um, But um, just to give you an idea of what I did. So we started with the, the chemotherapy treatment as the um, um, agreed upon at that, um, at that meeting, that clandestine meeting. And, um, and then from there, you know, mom and I, she's, A lot like me, you know, where do I get it from? So she and I really set about doing some heavy duty research. And um, we discovered that, okay, if I do well, because they're saying if you shrink the tumors a certain amount, then you'll be a candidate for the mastectomy. Yeah. Um, And then from there, you get your radiation treatment. So um, the problem for me um, fell in the radiation. The radiation that everybody's doing for breast patients, because it's such a wide area, is a radiation called photon radiation. And now photon radiation, basically it, um, attacks you or the beam is a very large beam and it can hit a very large area in a, in the, in the time that you're doing it, but it goes in through the front and out through the back. So there's no control over photon radiation. It's a blast. It's a blast. And anything in that radius gets hit. So because my heart and lung were in the mix, whether I survived or I shrunk my tumors, no matter what I did, if I did that, I would die of congestive heart failure long before I probably would have died of the cancer. And I wasn't having that. So I needed to find a new way. And, you know, of course, I was told, but there is no other way. Well, nobody tells me no.
0: Well, and, and this was 11 years no ago, way. right?
1: Yes. Yes. Where what I um, eventually did was the opposite of photon, I did proton radiation. Yeah. Now, getting somebody to do proton radiation on a large area like mine and mine was large. Remember, it was my neck, my whole chest area, my under my armpits, you know, it's a very large area. Proton radiation is um, specifically used for um, brain because yeah. it's it's a pinpoint type of radiation. It not only is it a pinpoint radiation, but it can stop on a dime. It does not go in one way and out through the other. It's controlled. And that's what I needed. I needed somebody to map around my lung and map around my heart to save those vital organs so I could survive. And um, that was never done before.
0: I believe and that's the standard of care now. In it's radiation. not the standard of care. Not for breast cancer,
1: it's not. Because that's what we were discussing. Right, or I wouldn't be the only one here today. Yeah. You know, people don't want to know. Well, it definitely wasn't
0: 11 years ago.
1: No, no, it was a big deal that I did this. In fact, I had quite a fight with the insurance company and telling me it was experimental treatment. When it's not experimental treatment, I mean, they've been doing it on penises and making all kinds of money all, all along. And the penises were big business. Uh, if you don't know what I mean, I joke because it's prostate um, cancer. Yeah. But they make, and still today, they make all their money, proton radiation, not the brain, because that's messy. They make, it's a business, and they make their money from those damn penises. And, um, you know, why are penises more important
0: than boobs? Right. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute when we get back. Stay with us. Okay. I hope you're enjoying Unspoken Cancer Truths. I help people to get moving again, and sometimes you just need to switch up the approach or find a new challenge, especially when thinking about starting back after treatment or an illness. One of my goals is to help you flip the idea of exercise as something that's hard, awful, or daunting, and make it something fun, maybe even a little social, safely of course. The important thing is that you wanna get started and you're happy to show up for yourself, and then you wanna stay in the game because it feels good to move and you had fun doing it. Ready to reimagine exercise? You can email me at jennifer at or schedule a copy chat with me through the Facebook group. Surviving is just the beginning. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm here with Vicki and we are talking about her incredible journey with stage four breast cancer, 11 years. It's amazing. And I'm honor all the amazing choices that you've made and the way that you've really advocated with your doctors. And I know one of the things that you help people with is finding the right doctor. I know one of the big challenges I've seen for people is they've got a diagnosis and they have a, you know, tentative team and they just can't make the decisions that they need to make to start moving forward and into treatment. And oftentimes I've found it's that something's a little off with their team. Like there's maybe one component that just isn't quite working. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about how you how you guide people in finding the right team.
1: Well, um, that's interesting because, you know, when, when I was first diagnosed with cancer, I thought that's the worst thing that can happen to me. But, you know, quite honestly, it was not. What was worse is what came after fighting with the doctors, fighting for fighting for treatment, trying to find the right fit for a a doctor, Um, fighting with insurance companies, fighting, fighting, fighting. And that's all I do. I still do it. I still fight. And um, what I wanted to do was alleviate that component for others, because I learned from that, and you know, not a lot of people know as much about cancer as I do, just because For I've sure. been through so much. And so, when I wrote my book, I wrote a, um, a course, um, or a workshop that kind of coincides with it, because when I started writing my book, um, I am the one. I didn't realize I had never looked back. Yeah, I never, I never looked back and I didn't know how I got from point A to B to C. So your mind is a kind thing. And so it started to reveal itself as I was writing the book. And I realized that I really did a lot for myself. I really helped myself a lot. And I wanted to um, share those things with others because I realized, man, there's a lot I've got here. And this could help other people. I mean, I created I, me who's never done yoga, you understand, never done yoga, never meditated. I mean, like I was, you know, never did any of that stuff. Here, I'm teaching myself how to meditate because I had a run in with somebody that wanted to give me way too many painkillers than I needed. And it turned me off of them altogether because look, I've got lunches to make and baths to, 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 for the children and books to read. I'm not going to be doped up. And I, the pain wasn't warranting that. I mean, it was yeah. just so, but as the pain of course did set in and things did become worse, I created my own form of meditation. And, um, and then when I was so weak that I couldn't move, I out of need for my own self, I created an exercise program for myself, you know, not allowed to jump. I'm not allowed to um, walk too fast. I'm not allowed yeah. to get my heart rate up. I'm not allowed to, you know, affect my lungs. Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, not a lot you can do. And, and, and um, walking really slow around a circle was getting really boring for me. So, so I developed a, like a really joyous joyous dance program. And I taped it and I sell it on my website because it works. I mean, it is unbelievable, but it works. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's more than exercise. It was, it was therapy. I mean, really it was, it was therapy. And I learned that, um, I mean god I mean like so many things that I did for myself along the way I'm just including this in this workshop I'm developing a workshop and the reason why I started with the story about I thought cancer was going to be the worst and then I found out that really all the other stuff was way way worse oh yeah so I named my my course there's more to cancer than the diagnosis yeah and that is so what i want to teach and you know there's there's and i of course took been taking classes so that i can harness all my all my passion and all my energy and teach it appropriately you know and narrow down and and so forth so that anybody that worries because i'm so crazy um if you take a course from me i have been um i've gone through training and so forth but you know no one is teaching a course like that today. No one. No one says, "Okay, here's your pitfalls. This is what you need to look out for. This is how you um, find a doctor. This is how you can tap into your instincts. How do you teach? How do you tell your young children? How do yeah. you um, manage the healthcare system and the insurance system? And these are all things that I'm going to be talking about in the workshop and." Um, It's kind of like a paying it forward, you know, and then the people in, in the class, I would hope will pay it forward also, you know, because if you go into treatment with a positive attitude and no worries, you can have a far better outcome. And let me tell you, people are dying today solely because of the stress that they're under when they even begin the treatment. Because they're afraid of going bankrupt. They're afraid that their family members are going to, you know, decombust. They're um, they're not sure of their doctor. And all of these things are anxiety ridden. And then, you know, it leaves you with such a bad taste, and then you go in and then they expect you to like be rah-rah-rah. Let's be positive during chemo. And everybody just wants to, you know, lay there and die. And so a course like this can prevent that. And uh, that's, that's my feeling.
0: Well, and it can be challenging as well because sometimes, you know, we have, especially post COVID, you know, our healthcare professionals have borne the brunt of what's going on with COVID.
1: Yes, and
0: it, there's a lot of compassion fatigue. You know, we have, we have a lot of burnout in the medical profession and mm-hmm. it we had a lot of burnout in the medical profession prior to covid so mm-hmm. there's that component to it as well you know a lot of our a lot of our team runs the risk of their mm-hmm. own you know mental health challenges and i don't think as cancer survivors we are really prepared for the mental health side of things like you talked about meditation and It's hard when we're told that we can't exercise, right? Like for some people movement and even if it's going for a walk or walking the dog or, you know, something that you may not even consider to be exercise when that gets taken away because you've got some condition that's preventing you from, from participating in those, that kind of level of, of physical activity. That Mm -hmm. can be really challenging as well. And then we don't then we're offered medication. Yeah. (laughs) As opposed to other alternatives. Mm -hmm. And that can be challenging as well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. So thank you so much for Chatting with me today. There are so many more topics that I know that we could talk about. Um, Yeah, I could talk forever. Reconstruction and lymphedema, Uh, breast cancer related Uh, lymphedema is one of my passion areas.
1: Um, I'm having problems with that. So I understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's breast cancer awareness week, everybody, you know, this is what, uh, (laughs) this is what uh, this, if not to bring this all up now, when would be the appropriate time? So um, yeah, I mean, you can't discuss everything in a, you know, a 45 minute period and people understand.
0: Absolutely. So thank you so much. And there will be links to um, Vicki's information in the show notes and on the website. So please check them out.
1: Yeah, I can be reached at Iamtheone.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks, Vicki, for sharing your story this week. That concludes this week's episode. I would love to connect with you over in my Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning. There you'll find a community of past guests and group members who know what this journey is like. Knowing there are others with similar experiences helps us know we're not alone. There's a community of people with similar and diverse experiences waiting to meet you because surviving really is just the beginning. Thanks for listening and have a great week.